Sitting atop the stairway, alone at the Tatum house, Ryan Phelan arranged his equipment so he could capture any paranormal activity in the historic Florida home. As he waited, he sensed a heavy feeling around him and something caught his attention to his left. There, he saw a bluish light was coming through the boards of the floor and stairway, which he couldn't explain since there was no electricity in the entire building. He radioed his team, who was exploring the rest of the house, to see if someone was investigating the room below. They weren't, and that room remained empty. Ryan says he still doesn't have an explanation for the light, but is convinced that it was at least one of the spirits trying to communicate. I'm Steve Blanchard. Welcome to Phantom History. Toward the wooded interior of Florida, in East Sarasota County to be exact, sits a historic home that is used to educate schoolchildren about the history of Florida and represents the way in which Florida crackers lived in the 1800s. It's old, it's rustic, and it doesn't have any electricity or water running inside it. The Tatum Rawls house dates back to 1889 and is billed as one of the oldest examples of pioneer Florida architecture still standing along Florida's west coast. Volunteers have restored it to its original look and donations of period artifacts rest inside, making the house appear more like a home of that era rather than a museum. For Tiffany Phelan of Phelan Paranormal, the home was at the top of the list of places she wanted to investigate, mostly because she was so familiar with the history. And I have actually known that place for for quite a while because I've lived down here for a very long time. I have went there on field trips with my kids. I have went there um, actually for um, Bigfoot investigations overnight, which was very interesting. Um, And I know a lot about that place. And like Ryan was saying with the upstairs, if you go up those stairs and you look into that back room, it literally just feels like somebody is watching you they are right around that corner they are right about to peek out it's just it's so weird you can just you can just feel it it resides now because it used to be in in a different place and it got moved there but it resides at the um, Crowley Museum and Nature Center which is in Sarasota Florida um, very close to the uh, Mayaka uh, River State Park out there um and they have a lot of historic buildings and the idea behind all of it was um mr crowley himself wanted to be able to teach a lot of the school-aged children about the old florida about the cracker style houses and everything because they have a little museum to go to they have houses to tour they have um an old-time playground, I guess, if you will, with a a teeter-totter and whatnot. And then they have the Tatum House, which was actually, um, it used to reside over on Proctor Road, and it got moved there in 1996. Um, And when they brought it there they they brought it in the middle of the night and they had to do all sorts of restoring to it um but they they wanted it there to be able to show kids what it used to be like in old florida in the 1800s the tatum rawls house as it's officially called has a unique history in that it not only reflects pioneer living in florida but it was the home to two different families tied together by one woman 
Laura Fredonia Red. Laura was born in 1859 and grew up in Florida. Her father was notable in that he was the first Baptist minister in the Sarasota area. Young Laura married Seaburn C. Rawls and became the mother of five children. However, by her early 20s, she was already a widow. In 1889, two of her children and her second husband, William Harvey Tatum, built a home that could house the family. In 1892, the family expanded that home. William Harvey Tatum, he is the one that made it for his wife, which was Laura, and um, she may be there. We had some interesting <laughs> responses yes. with that, and William actually made it with her two sons from a previous marriage, and they all lived there in the house, and they had they had an upstairs where all the bedrooms were, then they had the bedroom downstairs, and they had the kitchen area, and then they actually expanded where they have like a little schoolhouse, and then they have like another outdoor kitchen as well. It actually yeah. went in three different pieces, and then they put it back together. While there is no specific record of a tragedy befalling the household or the family, Laura did lose her second husband in 1924 when Harvey suffered a stroke at the age of 61. Laura remained in the home until 1945 before moving in with one of her daughters in Sarasota. She passed away in 1950 at the age of 92. Nearly four decades later, Jasper Crawley, a former neighbor of Laura's, acquired the house and worked tirelessly to construct a display of life in Florida for early settlers. The home, which had sat empty for 40 years and was scheduled for demolition, was finally saved and hauled to its current location, fittingly called the Crowley Museum and Nature Center. Since the Tatum house was home to Laura and her family for so many years, Phelan Paranormal believes a residual energy resides in the building despite having been moved nearly 18 miles from its original location. Their investigation there, they say, found proof that the spirits of the home still keep a very tight schedule, according to Ryan Phelan. Ghosts almost seem to react just the same as they did during life. So if, you know, back back in that day when it got dark, you know, families weren't up for a whole lot longer. You know, so by 10 o'clock, 1030 at, at Tatum, it, it's very, it's very flat. You know, you're not going to feel a whole lot. There, there isn't that two o'clock in the morning weird thing going on, like you, you know, like everybody kind of assumes there would be. But, you know, such in life, such in death, it doesn't really change a whole lot. I guess I'll say we had a lot of interesting things going on at the outdoor kitchen. I would say close to an hour, hour and a half. But when you thought about it, it would have been perfect for what you would have considered probably the timing for you're going to be cooking dinner. And then maybe you are prepping a few things that might be ready uh, for like a, a bread and biscuits for the you know, next day. And then all of a sudden the outdoor kitchen just went flat, nothing going on. It went from like this buzzing area to nothing. Tiffany explains how their devices reacted to the outdoor kitchen and why they were unsure at first if they were dealing with an intelligent or residual entity. Literally buzzing. Um, <laughs> we actually had a REM pod out there. This REM pod would, it would all of a sudden, it would start going off because it's detecting a fluctuation in the, in the electromagnetic field around it. And something would have to be considerably close to it to uh, make the device detect the change in it. 
it would just start going off and then it would stop and then it would go off and then it would stop. And it was really weird because like if we went out there and addressed it at first and said, oh, you know, I, it seems like somebody might be out there right now. Would you like to talk to us? If yes, could you interact with that again? And it would stop. But then it would turn back on again. And, and so it almost, it seemed like it was intelligent at the beginning, but then as the night went on, it would keep going off. And I mean, sometimes it would be going off for a minute or two at a time, just and lighten up and everything. And and we were trying to ask questions to um, establish a communication. And it seemed at that point that it was more of a residual type haunting kind of like a tape player that was just kind of playing over and over again that it didn't have the ability to interact with us there wasn't an intelligence to it whereas it seemed maybe there might have been two different individuals there and perhaps at the earlier time that was more intelligent because when we would address them it would literally stop immediately we were out there it would not go off we'd go back to the main house and it starts going off yeah. again while the Feelins believe the energy they followed through their house was residual, they are also convinced that intelligent spirits are there as well. The Feelin Paranormal team did their investigation on November 5th, 2022, just a few weeks after Hurricane Ian blew through the west coast of Florida, causing significant damage to most buildings. Both Tiffany and Ryan believe spirits in the home knew what was happening around them. It's, it's actually was closed to the public at that point in time because they were doing a lot of cleanup from the hurricane, which is ridiculously interesting because the only thing that happened to the Tatum house was one window got blown out. All of the other buildings that were there had trees fall on them, lost roofs, had holes in them, and just tons of cleanup. And the Tatum house was essentially fine yeah and everything else was wrecked around it yeah. so that's that's really important too i think um the um the lady who runs it her name is dixie um she felt very strongly that that was one of the important aspects of it and that something was essentially protecting that house with the um the k2 inside I was asking questions. I, I was using, you know, my my notebook of of history and using names and whatnot, and asking if Mr. Crowley was there, if Laura was there. Um, there's some other family members that we tried a couple times. When I did address Mr. Crowley himself, the the K2 would start lighting up. Then and then it wouldn't otherwise, and and I would be like, okay, can you can you please confirm? Is this Mr. Crowley? and then it would start lighting up more. The really crazy part was that it's a lot like an obelisk, which is um, an electronic word bank that take changes in the atmosphere and convert them into words. It's a very interesting device. Through that, he was getting the word fire. And we got that through the portal with the spirit box and through our necrophonic app as well. We got fire and danger and in fact, outside, they actually had huge burn piles going on because they were cleaning up the hurricane debris. 
also to back up on the on the K2, I was also asking when Gary was telling me that that's what it was saying, I was saying, is there somebody here that is concerned with the fires outside? And that K2 went from yeah, flat all the way to red and just stayed on it. So then I essentially had like a three minute conversation with a room of somebody I couldn't see about what was going on outside and why there was fires and that the fires were not going to be coming to the house, that they were contained. And I kept asking, you know, I, you know, do you feel better about that? You know, it would go up. And then I'd be like, and then later on, I'd, I'd say, you know, did you remember the hurricane? Are you concerned with that? And it would go up. And otherwise it would be, it would be flat. That shows so much intelligence. Yeah. For Ryan, investigating a location like the Tatum house not only involves equipment like rim pods and K2 meters, but he also relies on his intuition. He shares that he can often sense when something or someone is in a room and that the longer he stays in a certain location, the clearer the picture is that forms in his head. That ability likely led to one of his most significant encounters of his night investigating the Tatum house. I was sitting in the stairway area at the very top of the stairs leading up to the where the bedrooms are and we had a, a recorder going and I had a, a couple other devices around, but it, it got very, very heavy all of a sudden. And I, I remember that, but to the left of me, which would have been outside of the house, um, there was a, a, almost like a bluish light that was just kind of right along the, along the, along the wallway there and, and coming up kind of through the stairs in the cracks of the stairs. And I remember asking, does anybody have a light on? Is anybody below me? Is anybody in the in the master where the closet area is? And no one was there. And so, as well, you know, of course, they're asking me why. And I'm like, well, I see a light. I, I, I still don't really have a very good explanation for that. It wasn't one of us. And there was no, again, no electricity, no, no reason for it to be there. But it was definitely there. That moment really stood out pretty hard for me. Other members of the team experienced paranormal encounters as well. At one point, when the entire team was gathered downstairs, they all collectively heard the same sounds from above. And then there was another a knock that took place. Everyone was downstairs and the knock was from upstairs. It was just right up in the, you know, of course you have open rafters and then you have the, the, the floor. And we just this loud bump and, and very distinct and we're like, Okay, is anybody upstairs? And, you know, everybody kind of goes through the roll call. No, no one's there. Anybody else hear that bump? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I heard that. Oh, 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 okay. And then you go back and you listen to it in the recording and you've got it there and you go, all right, neat. Uh, there's no question that was, that was caused by an outside force. The Tatum House dates back to the late 1880s and has sat on two very different properties in Sarasota County. So who, or what, is still within the Tatum Rawls house. Tiffany has some theories. I feel strongly that Mr. Crowley was there. I was getting the positive responses on the K2 when I was specifically addressing Mr. Crowley. And I would say, I would say that there's probably at least one of the original family there, just based on 
the fact that like when I was doing the essays method, um, I would hear several different voices coming through. Like I said, I heard a little girl and she was yelling several times through the necrophonic. We also got the uh, mom like and, and a young child's voice. And, and there were definitely children there. They had a lot of children. It's a mix. Tiffany bases that assessment on her knowledge of the history of the Tatum House and the history of all the locations Feline Paranormal investigates. After all, tying paranormal experiences to the history connected to the location is what piqued Tiffany's interest in the paranormal investigations to begin with. I like to go in and know every single thing about every single person that has ever lived there, what the land was before that, because I want to know all of it, but then I have to like keep it to myself for our, for a little bit when we first get in there. And then he's like, well, you know, this is kind of what I feel like is going on here. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm, you know, making my, my checks and notes in my notebook. And that's kind of been my thing. I really love the history of places. And I kind of took the other route where I was like, I was um, very nervous of all of it. And then when I came to be an adult, um, I kind of said, well, why am I being so scared? Let's look at it from a different perspective. Let's look at it from the history side and let's look at it as something to learn about and be interested in instead of afraid of it. Because if you can learn about it, then it ceases to be scary and then it actually turns really freaking cool. Thank you to Tiffany and Ryan Phelan for sharing their expertise and experiences at the Tatum Rawls House in Sarasota County, Florida. To learn more about them and their investigations, search for them on Facebook. For details on the Tatum House and to schedule a tour, visit the Crowley Museum and Nature Center online at crowleyfl.org. This episode was written, produced, and edited by me, Steve Blanchard. Follow All Things Phantom History on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and sign up for the Phantom History newsletter at phantomhistory.com to stay up to date on new episodes and upcoming events at Phantom History House, a bed and breakfast experience in Tampa, Florida. Music for this episode was provided by Silverman Sound, Shane Ivers, Purple Planet Music, and Chad Couch. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a five-star rating on whatever platform you use to enjoy your podcasts. And, as always, thanks for listening.